So cassava. So I'm Japanese, like I said. My husband Chris is Filipino. Um, cassava is another name for yucca root, which is one of which is my name. And also uh, in Filipino cuisine, they use cassava a lot. So we thought um, it represented both of us. That was Yuka Ioroi, general manager and beverage director at Cassava Restaurant in the Outer Richmond. Welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. In this podcast, Yuka picks up where she left off in part one, describing the move she and her husband Chris made from L.A. to San Francisco. She talks about a few bartending gigs she had before the couple opened Cassava on Balboa Street in 2012. Unfortunately, the restaurant had to close temporarily last week. But please follow them on social media to learn about their reopening, which they're hoping can happen next week. They're also hoping to start taking reservations for their new parklet soon. This podcast is part of our Small Business September series. Here's Yuka. LA is really, like, wide, you know? So you don't see this, like, a compact... Even downtown LA doesn't... It's not as striking as, like, how the the financial district just appear from, a, you know, a, what do you call the Bay Bridge? Oh, right. Oh, no, no, I had come here before that one more, uh, once before. I used to rap when I was in LA. Okay. I was in music, and then... Um, there was a movie um, that the main guy from uh, uh, Mortal Kombat, Robin, okay. Okay. Robin, Robin did a uh, documentary about Hong Kong, like Kung Fu uh, stand double. And right. I did a song for that. So no he had way. a tour and he came to San Francisco. So I had a show here. No way. Where? Slims, I think. Awesome. I think or DNA. DNA, probably. DNA yeah, yeah, I think. DNA. Yeah. yeah. So I came and then. Oh, yeah, and then it was, like, really crazy. Like, I performed, and they went to, like, after party. And I never seen a club with only Asians before. Okay. In L.A. Like, I never, like, I was in, like, a Japanese, like, hip-hop scene in L.A., but it's still, like, really mixed, you know? Like, you have, like, black people, you have brown people, Japanese, or, like, all other Asians. But, like, we're more mixed. And then, like, one of the clubs we went to perform is, like, only Asians. Like, I... That was here. In San Francisco. Okay. I was like, wow, like I never seen that before. Hmm. So, so that was like a shock. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, outside DNA looked hella sketch. That was a shock. Well. Yeah, even downtown LA, like I, we felt more safe. So yeah. we were like, wow, it's like really strikingly beautiful during the day, but nighttime is like hella sketch. And then, wow, it's like, well, racially really segregated. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so that was like my impression 2000, like what, like something earlier on. And then when we came back here, just with me. Your, came back with your husband. Yeah. No, we just visited. Like, before we moved here, we visited. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty. I think it was, like, Christmas time because I remember seeing, like, a Macy's uh, Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, people are, like, nicer. Or, like, oh, they look more sophisticated. Like, oh, you like Europe. Because, like, you know, that thing was like, oh, I let people so dumb kind of thing. So, it's like, not really. But, um, <laughs> no, I don't think that anymore. It's. Like last ten years really changed here, no? I feel yeah. like. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what year was it that you guys moved here? Moved here two thousand eight. Okay. Yeah, two thousand eight. He came in February because like the hotel, uh, Intercontinental, um, and uh, Sasso Market had opened, so he had to be here earlier. Then I came two months later. 
he got a job there. At, yeah, uh, at so uh, he the opening chef of the uh, the Intercontinental Hotel. Got it. Uh, she had brought him and then another chef from LA to be uh, her sous chefs. That's cool. And what did you? Sorry, what did you say you did when you moved up? When when I came here? Yeah. Oh, I was bartending. Okay. Yeah, I was bartending at a restaurant called Polang Lounge. Um, and they're not there anymore. But uh, my friend in LA knew one of the owners. Okay. Um, so that's how I got a job there. And where did you guys live when you first moved here? Oh, we still live in the same place uh, in Marina, Lombard, and Baker. You're in the same place you. Yeah, I have rent oh, control. Wow. I can't go anywhere. Awesome. Congratulations. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. Because not moving is the best. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. We like we are not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's rad. Did you just find a place on Craigslist or how did it? Uh, yeah, Chris went around and and then we didn't know there's like such a big like Filipino community in Bay Area till mm-hmm. we came here. He he has a family in um, like San Jose area, mm-hmm. uh, but then like I think him being Filipino and it like really nice. And then our landlord is like Filipino, oh. so they kind of like hit it off. And yeah. he found a really nice. He went different places and then like. I guess like he went to like Bayview to like wait we don't know right like we don't know what's going on it's like like he doesn't so we went he's like oh my god like somebody's like riding on the bicycle with no tires on it's like oh (laughs) 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 but we found a place and then yeah then we have a move we can't yeah right right golden golden handcuffs they call it no it's like uh our like I think our starting rate. 2000, it was like 1350 for like a super large studio and now it's like 1600 but yeah. same room is rented for like 25 right now yep so did you open this place yeah 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 so can we hear opening that story yeah, yeah um because going from he's a chef and you're a bartender i don't know if there's anything in between but like two we're gonna open our own place that's a, that's a big leap right yeah well i mean that was that was original. I mean, it, we thought about it. That was kind of a plan, but Chris was like, oh, I'm not ready to do that. Mm-hmm. And in 2010, we went to Tokyo for two months for him to um, stage. Uh, so, like, when chefs, like, go intern or train, call it stage, but right to stage, but staging. So, we lived in Tokyo for two months, and, and then Chris trained at a Japanese restaurant. Okay. And then he saw how it was run. He very, like... You know, there's a kitchen culture, like the misogyny and then the, the racial disparity. And, and none of these things he saw there. Mm. And then he's like, oh, okay. Um, mm. This is like better style. And then I feel like I can, I feel more comfortable running kitchen this way. Right. Um, so that was 2010. And then the opening chef of the hotel, she went on to open her own restaurant. And then took the other chef as her mm. partner now, actually. Um, and but he stayed at the hotel. You know, we just kind of save money. And by then, I was at a third restaurant in San Francisco, just you know, still bartending. And then we saved money. And then, uh, so Chris's coworker from a hotel found this used to be two tenants, mm-hmm. and then the one side was like this, like a kind of like a bakery-ish cafe-ish kind of thing. And That's then, um, so his coworker knew that the guy wanted to get out. And then I had told Chris that if we were to open our own place, it needed to be on a street that only has one lane each mm-hmm. and then have parking meters indicates that it's a shopping strip. And then the front has the, it has to have a huge glass frontage. Windows. Yeah. Yeah. And then this clear all of it. So he was really excited. So you had basically described this place exactly. 
as well, what you, as what you wanted, and then you found it. Yeah, like I I knew that like specifying because we didn't really have to open right away, right? right. You know, so it's better to wait for uh, something that I know that has a higher chance of uh, succeeding. Right. And then it came, and he's like, he's really excited. I was like, okay, fine, I'll go look at it. <laughs> yeah, like Christmas. Ah, uh, awesome. yeah. I mean, I didn't want to. But it's always like hard to kind of take the leap, right? Of course. Yeah. Can we back up real fast? Where have you bartended in San Francisco? The first restaurant was Pauline Lounge. Hmm. Close. Second one is called Mercury Lounge. Close. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was Starbelly. Still here in Castro. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing, like my first trip, like San Francisco restaurant industry back then I feel like it was really divided to like Asian restaurants have like heavily Asian clientele. Like the first clientele I saw in like the nightclub. And then, I don't know if anybody said this, but like people in San Francisco don't tip as much as in LA. Okay. And people in LA don't tip as in New York, but still like average like 20%. Mm-hmm. So like bartending at a like Asian restaurant, it was like shocking to me. Yeah. Oh, so- I, can tell you, I can tell you this. Like, so, so the Pauline Lounge used to turn into a nightclub at the end. And then I didn't know, like, uh, Fernet is such a thing here. Mm-hmm. We say Fernet Branca. We, I didn't know there was, like, a Fernet. And I didn't know that, like, a Hennessy pineapple back is, like, a dog Asian drink up here. And then, and then the Hennessy would be, like, $10. No, it was $9. And then this one guy got 10 shots of a Hennessy and pineapple back. $99, right? Mm-hmm. On the 11 shots. And he gave me a $100 bill. And then he said, keep the change, girl. <laughs> oh, I, like, I wanted to kill him. Jeez. I was like, no, here's a dollar back, you know. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So so I was thinking, like, okay, well, I can't really be in only Asian restaurants. If I want to have, like, if I want to see, like, the industry. And then I got a job at Starville. I was like, oh, okay, well, Main Street restaurant. And then now I'm so glad that like all these like a BIPOC people are like really speaking out. So even like after they come into like the white res- like white restaurants, you know, and then like looking at like fine dining where like he was in, it's really like, and then even like, how can you work in one place where one person make $400 a night and work less hours and the other person make $9 an hour for 10 hours? Yep. It's like not okay, right? Mm-hmm. It only like in this country that happens, right? So, um, so I always felt bad about like not like weird weird about it. Like I would like you know, when I was like, working at Starbelly, like I would always tip out the busser, and then and then when somebody was asking me how much you make, and it's like, oh yeah, like I made this much. And they're like, oh, I only got nine dollars an hour. Like that's not right. Right. And then like my boss then is like, oh, you can't tell them how much you make. I was like, why not? Like. Right, you're blowing it for the boss. The yeah, no, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so that was like one thing I really didn't like. So those those issues have been on your mind since before you opened this place. Oh yeah, Sounds and like then it's like because and then like going back to like my like there's no health insurance. Like in Japan, well I mean I don't know, like I only know how my mom ran the company, but like everybody had health insurance, mm-hmm. right? So like I thought that was like a thing that the employer is supposed to provide. And I couldn't for the longest time because we weren't there, but I was able to in 2018. So you found the place. What what year was it that you guys opened? 2012. 2012. Okay. Was it like you, you talked about the leap and yeah. all this other stuff. Like how was the opening? Uh, 
like really stressful like you know because like and then i also like then i also and chris also realized that we were able to do our job because somebody was washing dishes and bringing back the place or the pots and pans or the towels are there like i didn't have a linen service it was just me and him i thought it was like oh it'd be cute just like couple you know doing things mm -hmm. now it's like it's like wow like <laughs> Like, I'm not about to wash towels by my hands at, like, 3 a.m. every day and have to come back here and open at 7 a.m. Like, I'm not going to live like that. So, like, right. I was, like, yeah, the first week I was, like, oh, I made, like, the biggest mistake of my life. And I just blew, yeah. like, 40, 50,000 on this. Like, the hell, you know? Um, but, like, you can't go back anymore, right? So, you just keep at it. We opened in March. We got the location in December. I mean, started talking about it in December. We got the key on, in February. There was like a drama of a sublease here. Mm -hmm. Our landlord lives right next door, but this site used to be owned by this kind of like a crazy real estate lady that kind of tricked my landlord into this whole space was like $1,000 and then she was subleasing that side to the bakery owner for $1,100. So she was like making money off it and then he didn't know and all these things, right? Wow. But anyway, so, so, my, so my landlord was like ready to kick her out at the 2012, end of the 2012. So I knew that, yes, I blew like 40000 or 50000 right now. But if, if that place doesn't fly, I can get out by end of December. Okay. Or if it does well, I can take over this side. Mm -hmm. So not like a Jesus moment, but I was like, okay, well, I got to do this till December. Okay. Yeah. But and I knew that coming in, that's why also we, I took the deal that like I left a way out for myself. Right. And then when did you guys know, when did you have that feeling of like, yeah, this is, this is like, it's working. Um, when somebody approached that they wanted to invest and then it's a neighborhood couple that, and then I think the husband that grew up on the street and then he wanted to put money in like businesses on the street and then he had approached like oh i can invest like sixty thousand. i was like okay well that's enough to open mm -hmm. um and then um so we were like because we took over like a bakery cafe so we were doing cafe operation but we used to do um pop-up dinner reservation only seven courses because he's from fine dining right mm -hmm. so we you know do pop-up kind of thing and then that clientele really grew um, so I was like, okay, well, if we were to make it bigger, I think we can like, you know, like get it. <laughs> awesome. But, uh, but it was hard. Where does the name come from? So cassava. So I'm Japanese. Like I said, my husband, Chris is Filipino. Um, cassava is another name for yucca root. Okay. Which is one of, which is my name. Oh. And also, uh, in Filipino cuisine, they use cassava a lot. Mm -hmm. So we thought, um, it represented both of us. And then, so, like, we got the space, and we were going to open in March. And I was like, oh, you know, like, you can't open as a boyfriend and girlfriend. So I was like, okay, we should get married. Like, I robbed them <laughs> no opportunity to propose anything like that. But so my dad, like, so my parents came for, like, a wedding mm -hmm. uh, in February. And then he made, like, a little door that we had. Oh. My dad, no, Cute. but Cute. but he knew there's no kids coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about the business during COVID, how you guys made the, the shift in this reality that we're all living in now. Yeah. Um, well, because the indoor dining got shut down. Um, and then before it got shut down, like, because Japan was dealing with COVID ahead of us, like in February, 
So my mom started telling me, like, I'll start shutting down the door. Don't let any outside people in. And I was like, like, no, you can't do that. Like, it was, like, unthinkable for me then. But she's like, no, don't put anybody in. I was like, okay. And then I saw what happened in New York and Seattle. So I was like, okay, well, we're going to move on to takeout only. That was, like, the Monday. And then Tuesday, London had a announcement. And then Wednesday, it went in fact, right? Um, so, so at first, did you shut down, shut down completely at first? No. Oh. Uh, we were still open till April 15th or something like that. Um, and there's like an article about this too that I, um, so, so we're like, okay, we'll do a pop-up, like a brunch, dinner, uh, cut down menu. And then one of the uh, regulars is like, you know what, can you help me like cook like family style meal? Like. I have to teach two kids at home and I have to do this. I have to work at home. It's going to be so hard for me. Oh, yeah, sure, girl. You know, so we decided, okay, well, what about like if it's like serving for four, three course, hundred dollars that works? She's like, oh, yeah. That's we a had, really good deal. Yeah. It's a really good yeah. deal. Yeah. We had um, a closing scare back in 2017. Okay. Yeah, because like, because it was so small, like we had to keep adding money, adding money, adding money. Um, and then we did a GoFundMe and then raised 50000 in 2017 and so people that donated a lot we have a membership so like a core clientele so that she was one of them awesome and so the family meal thing went not good and then there's an article came out like i think beginning of april the city that beat the curb or something like that about london i was like no it's crazy still and there was no mask mandates anything like that and people acting crazy so like i i made a couple, and then i was like and one of my staff got really, really, really uncomfortable working inside. Right. We didn't know as much about COVID, right? So right. like, so I, I was like, okay, well, what can I do to make an impact? So like, I, comp- I made a statement that we're going to shut down now because people are acting too relaxed. There's no mass mandates by the city, which is ridiculous. Like coming from Japan, like mass is like normal for us, you know? And then it's, we don't doubt that this, prevents it you know right it's a it's a given fact like we know it for a long time right, right. so why are you not doing this so so that was one of the reasons so we shut down for a month and a half that was in in april yeah okay. mid-april there was okay. like a big eater and everything about it uh and then we closed till end of may and then that's when you know it, it calmed down a little bit and then the mass man is in and this and that so i was like okay and then did you guys do any kind of is that when you did like re, you know rearranging or re- cleaning restructuring anything like that while it was closed oh that happened like on sunday night before we decided to go take out only okay yeah because like so this is we used to have tables like arranged but then my husband just arranged like this made an island in the middle mm-hmm. um that shelf used to be by the refrigerator well, we moved it, and then we made it into, like, a takeout. Well, that's after we came back, but... Okay. Yeah. But, um, no, but as soon as, like, that shutdown happened, they're like, oh, no, like, they were still saying, like, oh, you should save masks for, you know, like, healthcare and people mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was like, oh, fuck that, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. And it goes, my mom has sent me, like, a lot of masks, like, back in 2017 uh, when the fire happened. Yep. So we had a lot of masks here. So, like, all of us, like, from the beginning, we were all wearing it, you right, know? Right, right. Yeah. And then so we closed uh, mid-April and then opened back beginning of June. The first, after shutdown to mid-April, our takeout business is really good. Mm-hmm. We didn't really do much less okay. than, you know, the, like we were doing maybe like 100 
20,000 a month or something like that. And I think like March and April, like we, like we would have averaged like 90,000 or like 100,000. So it's still good, you know? And yeah. then we had reduced costs because like less staff are here. Um, so I was like, okay, we could do this. And then, and then we had GoFundMe and then the staff got money to carry over. The PPP came, so they have money before the unemployment came. And it opened back in June. And as soon as the outside dining started, like a second week of June, our business just like tanked. Mm. So now with July, we did maybe 15, like we did like barely 30,000. Wow. So it's a huge dip. Uh, but I was able to get uh, the EIDL loan before they brought the uh, limit down. So mm. I still have operating cash. But right now, like, like so far since April, like we burned through like 50 to like 30,000 every month, you know? Wow. And what, uh, so for customers, what all are you, you're doing, it's all takeout or? Right now, uh, and we are building the parklet. Okay. Starting this week, I think. Oh, good. And it was, sh- sh- <laughs> like if I had choice, I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. Um, How many tables are you going to have out there, do you know? Uh, five in the parklet. Like, we used to have full sidewalk seating for okay. brunch and stuff. Right. But I'm not going to do that because, like, no one can walk around, like, yeah. safely, right? So, right. we might have two tables on sidewalk for ADA, and there's uh, five tables over there. Okay. But, yeah. And what are your, so, um, how do you, what are your hours and how do people order? Like, can they, do you have a website, et cetera? Okay. Yeah, right now, takeout is, um, they can call a text. Uh, and then also we have online, you know, ordering system, uh, mm-hmm. brunch and dinner, uh, meal kits. So like family meal that we started from four to hundred dollars, we expanded and there's more options now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's little pantry offerings and stuff. Are you seven days a week? What hours? No, we're, uh, we used to be six days a week, okay. uh, except Tuesdays, but now just Wednesday through Sunday. Okay. Uh, but I think we're going to open mondays again in september okay i'm really stressed out about outside dining okay yeah can you put someone else in charge of it and just no look away no (laughs) like like when when they got hired like risking their life is not part of the job description so like i'm gonna do most of like going to the tables uh Mm -hmm. we got an app that people can order so we don't we don't take you know orders Mm -hmm. yeah protecting stuff is like like the normally most important thing. Yeah. A lot of restaurant people don't act like that. Oh, she, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, so no, that's like, we're not going to make them do like, that's not part of job description. You right. Know? Yeah. So no, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I don't want to, but, um, but yeah, like half of the clientele, we took a survey and then they are cautiously ready for outside dining. And then they know our stance on like safety. Um, so the was like nicely they said like oh like if you're gonna do it like i trust you you know right so i can't betray the trust so i have to do it correctly and even the restaurants might do everything they can but then people that come might not act like that right right so uh our like core clientele are really like caring cautious sane people uh but because like we have the unknown factor so like the way for me to like avoid that, uh, like avoid exposing my staff is that I go and they use the app. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about why you, what you love about San Francisco? Your love letter to the city. 
I love the people here, um, especially like after we opened, like the people we met, um, there are a lot of caring people. Um, the scenery is beautiful. Uh, I love the street here, you know, it's great. Um, but there are a lot of wrongs here. Of course. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, that's a hard one for me to say. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's like the most supposedly most technologically advanced city it can be, right? Because that means like the Twitter is here and the Facebook and all these things. But like the way they run is so crazy, you know. And then there are people that are very caring, but it's like, it's like why like they're all Democrats, but like why progressives and moderates and then you want to fight like team, you know? And it's like, no, like just get shit done. It's really the relationship that, that keep us here. Um, that I feel because because we've been here for a while and I have employees um, and then the community depends on the restaurant to be here so I feel it's more of an obligation that you know um, and it's a government money right for like to keep people employed right mm -hmm. so that's part of my like obligation you know this neighborhood yes Let's talk about this neighborhood yes uh, this neighborhood uh, as soon as we came here we noticed that the people drive a little slower and they actually let other people pass mm -hmm. and live in a marina and working in the cash drive mission all these things I was like oh, oh my god it's like three miles away and people are nicer here uh, there weren't that many eating options here when we came here but people like go out their way to give so many tries because they they're so supportive you know um it's it's really really astonishing especially like you know because like i've always been cynical about like how people in san francisco are and then like they say oh i don't care anybody say but they, they care so much you know they're coming from la like you know like I, I feel like that right but here like people genuinely care and supportive so like cassava would never made it if it wasn't on the street That was Yuka Ioroi. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, you'll get to know Del Seymour, who leads the Tenderloin walking tours. Del also started Code Tenderloin. Please join us next Tuesday for episode 33. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 120 episodes over the last three years, and you can find them all over at our website, storiedsf.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. And if you have any feedback for us, or you just want to say hi, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay healthy.